0: Hi, all Okay, I know I said last episode that I was going to do more, but then, you know, I've been battling my... Um, I don't want to claim it. I don't want to say my internal monologue. I think that that's um, it's a dangerous mindset. It's a dangerous precedent because it, it requires me to take ownership of something that I do battle with and sometimes have a hard time controlling. So how can I say that the internal monologue is mine? It, it's more that it's something that I have been burdened with. That that has been sort of my, been my adversary, right? But it's not something that is me. And I think there's a danger here um, in the society that we live in, that we're told that this internal monologue that we all grapple with, we all grapple with, we're told these are your thoughts. Why? How are they my thoughts? If they were, I should be able to stop them. I should be able to turn them off. I should not be at war with it, right? Because in other for me to stop an internal monologue, another aspect of myself, by that definition, if these internal monologues are actually me, mine, if I own them, right? If it's me, I should be able to control myself. After all, I can control any other aspect of myself, right? I can move my hands, I can move my feet, whatever. But there's this sort of uh, disembodied voice in your head and then you're told it's you. It's your voice, right? It's your thinking, You're thinking. So that's you. So by suggestion, by the suggestion of it saying that you're thinking, then it is implied that you're the one who's generating these thoughts. But you're not. As evidence of which it's this voice, it's these thoughts that are responsible from everything from anxiety and depression to straight up madness, right? So when you see a person on the street, talking to themselves, that basically, on the spectrum, they are just at the far extreme of what the rest of us grapple with on a daily basis, which, that terrifies me, right? We called those people mad. How are they mad? When we ourselves grapple with the same issue, they have just lost control. They have just completely succumbed to this voice, and we look around in our society, and nobody seems to be talking about what the fuck this voice is. They, they nobody wants to call a spade a spade, right? So psychologists, and I'm, I'm you know, I studied psychology and calls. So I know what we're told. It's just you know they call, it's told things like invasive thoughts or intrusive thoughts, or it's just you know it's something that it's your left brain and it's generating. Work. So they've you've come up with all of these explanations to sort of like apply a logical, um. Something that doesn't seem so mystical, right? So we want, we want a material explanation for this thing. But more and more day by day as I grapple with this thing, as I observe it, and I observe its influence in other people, I'm not even going to talk about myself. I'm going to talk about the influence that it has on other people. And before I kind of launch in, let me address the fact that everybody has an internal monologue. It just isn't always vocal, but it is there. And sometimes it's visual depending on the person's brain. But it is there. And sometimes some people are so identified with the internal monologue, with this voice in their head, with this entity, that they believe that it's them. So there's no space. They have been so programmed to accept these thoughts, these intrusive thoughts, that they're the ones who are generating it. So there's no space. There's no separation between them and this thing, this internal monologue, whatever you want to call it. So they go, I don't have an internal monologue. But 10 times out of 10, whenever I've spoken to somebody, whenever I've called their attention to the internal monologue and they've told me I don't have an internal monologue, over time and through working with these individuals, you start to find that, yes, actually, they do. They just were never aware of it. So forcing them to... To be aware of it is what all of a sudden causes the separation, right? You just say certain things like, okay, then when you're anxious, what what is causing the anxiety? And they always, first of all, like, it's like this weird defense mechanism because at the core of this, at the core of those who de- deny um having an internal monologue. It's this sense of this need to control. They want to be in control. So they don't want to think or believe that there's something, some aspect of themselves that is like controlling them or driving them. You know what I mean? That could be that they could be in conflict with. So that's why to protect themselves, the ego harden and hardens and crystallizes around this Let's say for the sake of this conversation at this point in time, we'll just say we're going to redefine it as the episode goes on. But if, let's just say we're going to call it right now in the internal monologue. So they crystallize around this internal monologue and then they believe that it's them. So they go, I don't have an internal monologue, but they do. You, you will find that in time, because I've worked with several people who eventually like they start to realize, holy shit. And then over time, it takes like months, but over time, then they go. They can actually sit and say, listen, this is actually, I I was thinking this, this is what I wanted. And now all of a sudden, like my internal monologue was telling me something else. And I'm like, yeah, if a person truly had no internal monologue, they would be Zen. They would be at peace. They would not, I mean, like they would just think about your life, you personally, right? How much stress and, and, and anxiety and fear and worry has been generated by this sort of thing? Maybe in your mind, it's not words, but it is there, All right? So you're just sitting, minding, minding your own business, eating a chocolate, watching movie, right? Taking it easy. And then all of a sudden you start to recollect a conversation that happened like a week ago or like a month ago or something that happened years ago. That's the internal monologue. It may not always be a voice, but that thing that pulls you out of your present moment That's the internal monologue. Anything, and it might take different forms. It might take a form of visualization. It could take a form of even feelings and even emotions, just flashes of fear. Anything that pulls you out of the present moment, because you on your own, every human being, every individual without their internal monologue on their own, they have peace. You on your own, just sitting and enjoying the present moment, it is the internal monologue and however shape or form it morphs into that pulls you out of the present moment and pulls you and, and brings up shit that you should have already sort of worked out, that you thought you were over. It brings it up in different forms. It whispers things into your head in different forms, images, whatever. whatever. Okay, so you text somebody, they didn't text you back. All of a sudden, you start jumping to conclusion. It's not you that's jumping to conclusion. See, it's too fast. You're identified with it. You, there's no space between I texted somebody and now I'm jumping to conclusions. Why are you jumping into, con, jump into conclusions? Something in between you texting somebody and then them not responding when you want them to respond. Something interjected itself. It did it too quickly for you to catch it. It did it too quickly for you to be conscious of it. But now, you, now you're reacting on ideas in your head that came from nowhere. Well, maybe this person is ignoring you. Maybe you know, something happened to them. And then you start to worry. But all of these assumptions have no basis on fact. Because at the end of the day, you have... No idea why the person has not responded to you. So everything that is being spoken to you right now or that you're visualizing or you're even feeling, that is not you. Because you are just in this present moment. All you know is that you texted somebody and they didn't respond. So everything around that, that is causing the agitation and the depletion of your energy through worry, through fear, that's the internal monologue. I don't, I wish I could, take this and post it on TikTok, but it's not something I can say in three minutes or less, right? It's like, this is something that I have to say in real time. So if you're listening over, you know, from TikTok, you're welcome, right? These are concepts that I can't spit out in three minutes, but that's the internal monologue. I mean, I guess maybe I could. (laughs) Anyway, that's the internal monologue. Anytime you start out to do something and then something tells you you can't or you shouldn't or maybe I shouldn't or what if this and that's the internal monologue. The problem is there is not enough space. So your brain is almost moving too fast for you to catch it. And so the exercise of meditation, that is what trains you to slow the mind down so that you can observe this internal monologue at work and then start to separate from it. Now, at the core, what is this? Let's throw away dogma for a second, scientific dogma, because right now we are told it's just, it's your left brain. You know, I read The Untethered Soul. I read... um, uh, there's another book I read, No Self, No Problem. And both authors did a great job. They're trying to help people understand what this thing is so that they can cope with it. But at the end of the day, these are all just hypotheses. So I can present a hypothesis as well. Um, first and foremost, I should say, I tend to speak with um, a voice that's kind of stern. It's just the way of, that I talk. But before I launch in, I need you guys to understand, and my regular listeners know this, um, I could be completely full of shit. Okay, so let's just accept that. Most people are full of shit. The difference is, as I grow and learn, I realize that I, I do not want to be an authority on anything. Please do not accept me as an authority on anything. There's no such thing as an authority on anything, right? At the end of the day, everybody has a hypothesis. Nobody knows shit. Everybody has an hypothesis. Nobody knows shit. But we live in a society where, quote, experts present their hypothesis as fact in a very authoritative and a very dogmatic and a very sort of like controlling, absolute way. And I tend to speak in a similar way. Fashion, but this is why I always want to put the preamble now going forward, particularly with the podcast. It's also why I haven't recorded a podcast in the last couple of days. Normally, I want to do. I was. I've been trying to do more, but this internal monologue that's attached to this form has been telling me, you know, at the end of the day, like I don't want to be responsible for people just like taking in things that I say as fact. So I've been sort of apprehensive of recording another episode, but that's. The internal monologue because at the end of the day the solution is simple sit and record with the put the you know put the disclaimer on there don't accept what I say as fact please understand that everything I talk about is subject to to change as I take in more information right I read five to seven books any given week right so I'm pulling information from from a myriad of sources and I present to you what I know at that time but I'm no expert. And honestly, neither are the people that I'm reading their books and getting information from. I don't believe in experts. I believe that people can make educated guesses based on the information that is presented to them at any given time. But through time, you get access to more information, you learn, and then that hypothesis shift. The problem is when you you take an idea and it's instilled in the mind as fact, That you crystallize the brain. You harden the brain around something that is just a theory. And that is the problem that I have with experts and with authorities. Because at the end of the day, nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Myself included. So that is my disclaimer. Listen with an open mind. But I would say not so open that your brain falls out. What I'm saying makes rational and logical sense to me right now, based on everything that I've read, you know, at this point now, over 500 books that I've read in the last three, four years, All right? So I'm sharing with you what I've gathered. I don't want to say what I know, but what I've gathered from other authors, over 500 other minds, based on their observations and their readings and their, you know, uh, understanding of the nature of our reality. And I pull from all these different sources. But at the end of the day, we could all be full of shit. And so be very mindful, be very leery of people who speak in absolutes, who speak with authority and have no space. They, they allow no space that there could very well be fucking wrong. Okay? That is a dangerous mindset. And it's something that many people don't warn people against because the people who speak with authority want you to follow them. And the problem with that is if I present my idea as this is how it is, you stop thinking. And you, will, you say, you allow my thinking to sort of overpower yours. And I don't want that. It's okay to have an, a different opinion because at the end of the day, my opinion is my opinion. So long as your opinion is also sort of backed up, with your research, because the biggest thing that bugs me is when people who you, it's clear that they haven't really read, right? So they're not really, they haven't taken the information in or as much information as, you know, I have to sort of form an educated guess. Because at the end of the day, a hypothesis is an educated guess, but the key word there is educated, right? So when a person just presents their opinion, like, well, I don't think this is true, and then they just leave it. They don't, give, they don't cite books to support why they feel this way, why they feel, for example, that I'm wrong and they are right. Right? And it's always that, right? You're wrong, which means I'm right. No, it doesn't. We I mean, can both be wrong. You can both just be making guesses. Like, it doesn't fucking matter, right? But cite the sources so that I can read those books. And then maybe, you know, the books that you're citing might help me change my mind. Right. But you're just stating I'm wrong because you think I'm wrong. Well, OK, cool. You're, you're entitled to your opinion. But my opinion has been formulated over years and excessive, you know, reading of people who have spent a lot of time reading books that I don't have access to. Right. But I'm reading their books over and over again. And then, you know, based on my experiences and my intuition and the way my mind works, I've formulated this understanding but if you're just watching youtube videos all day you know what i mean or you're just watching tv all day or watching the news all day and then you pop up and say well you know cnn said this uh, okay cool but then say that on your podcast don't i don't care <laughs> about your opinion you get what i mean but anyway i digress the point that i'm trying to make is be mindful and be weary be leery of anyone who speaks with an air of authority okay I, I, had a, I had a dinner with a friend yesterday and um, this is a really good friend and I enjoy conversations with them because they always present really great questions. I call them my muse because sometimes I get in my, my head and when I, get, when I expose myself to different books and different ideas, I become so familiarized with these concepts because one, I don't read a book just once. I'll read the same book over and over again, right? Because that's how you learn. I also repeat concepts on this podcast because that's how you learn. If I say something that's mind blowing, you know, on one episode and then I never repeat it, then it's going to go sort of, you know, miss. But sometimes you have to take that same idea and like dissect it and masticate it over and over again before you can finally digest it. So I I do repeat and I also re-listen to things, you know, over and over and over again because I know how the brain works. That's just how the brain works. Right? A child doesn't get up and start fucking walking. Right, It gets up, falls, gets up again, falls, gets up again, falls. So by repetition is how this brain teaches the body to learn. And I'm very specific on how I'm saying that because it, you're not your body, you're not the brain. So the brain has its function. You have to know how to operate it. But you're not the body, you're not the brain. Right? So the brain, in order for you to remember something or to recall something that you already know, you have to repeatedly expose yourself to it over and over again. But the problem with that on the downside, particularly when you run a podcast, is when you repeatedly expose yourself to an idea, you then think the idea is a common occurrence, right? It's common knowledge because now you repeatedly expose yourself to it. And so now it feels common to you. And what I enjoy about my, my, my friend when we have our conversations is that He reminds me, listen, like, no, these are not concepts that everybody knows. It's not concepts that most people even think about. Keep going, keep talking, keep sharing what you know, because people, most people don't have the luxury to sit back and, and read a book over and over again, right? Like most people's minds limit them in a way so that they are unable to listen to a book at 3x speed three times in one day. So if you have the ability to do that, do it and share it. You know, and I'm grateful for that insight. Um, so, in a way, he's amused because he inspires me to keep going. And he's a very good listener and he echoes what I say back to me. And then he asks questions. And the way my mind works is I love a good question because then it gets my mind going, seeking an answer. I'm not saying the answer is necessarily the right answer, but it allows my mind the space to create something. Right, Whether or not it's the absolute truth, I have no way of fucking knowing while I'm in this form, while I'm in this body. However, when you ask a great question, a well thought out question, it gets my mind going so I appreciate it. Now, he ran into an individual who intuitively, I have not met this individual yet, but intuitively I felt like be mindful of this person. right, Because if you read the Kabbalion, the Kabbalion talks about masculine and feminine minds. Um, And I always kind of reference the Kabbalion. So if you've not read it before, read it. And if you read it before, reread it again. Because every time I read this book, I get something new out of it. It's like life sort of puts me in a place where I can experience something, then go back and read this book and go, oh shit. So like, this is what the book was talking about when I read it months ago. Right. So if I didn't have the experience and that then what I read months ago would not, you know, click for me in the present moment. And it talks about male um, masculine and feminine minds. Right. And basically to break it down, there are people that regardless of form, ignore the body. The, the body doesn't mean shit, okay? Like it just—it the body is a physical form, it's a vehicle. I am in a fit. I'm in a female form. It doesn't fucking matter, right? It's just this is just for procreation. It just means that I do have the ability to create life, right? Uh, or I should say to create another human form or another vessel for a consciousness to be, you know, uploaded into. That's it. That's literally it. Um, I'm also socialized in a different way in this society as a female, but that's once again the body has nothing to do with me. I've said it over and over again. I'll keep saying it. And this is something also, it's a term that you can Google. Consciousness performs a limiting, I'm sorry, the brain performs a limiting function on consciousness. So this body has nothing to do with me. Its function is actually to limit my consciousness and my conscious experience, right? So I'm not really, I'm not really like, I don't venerate it. It is what it is. It's a pretty vessel, right? It's a pretty vehicle or whatever. But at the end of the day, it does not escape me. The truth does not escape me. I shouldn't say the truth, but it does not escape me that at the end of the day, this body, its purpose is to limit my consciousness and to force me into perceiving reality in a very particular way, in a very specific way. So I'm very mindful of that, okay? But it's a physical form. At the end of the day, though, what's more important is the energy that drives the body. And if you know anything about me and you know anything about energy, I have a very masculine energy. So the form is very feminine, but my mind is very masculine. It's also the way, because uh, the way I speak, that's the reason why I, it seems like I speak with authority. um, But that's just how, that's my mind coming through, right? So I've got a very masculine mind. And it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing. it's just it is what it is i i if you do my natal charts or whatever you'll see it it's a very ab- dominant um masculinity so that's just right it's just it is what it is um and now there are some people who have feminine minds, so dominant minds think about it like um the way I explained it to my friend was like think about it like a um like a penis <laughs> I, don't, I don't yeah and then so think about the mind as a, a masculine as a penis and then ideas, think about them as like sperm, okay? A little graphic, but the analogy helps, right? There's some minds who sort of shoot out ideas like sperm, right? And then there's some minds who are feminine and they're just, or they're more feminine. I think it's all a spectrum. Everything is a fucking spectrum, right? So even on my chart, my natal chart, I'm not like zero feminine and like you know 10 masculine it's like i just i'm more masculine than i am feminine my mind is and it is what it is and then some people are different there's some people who are super feminine um as far as like their chart is concerned their minds are super feminine their energy is super feminine so they're just more likely to receive energy and to receive ideas right so their minds are beautiful like fertile breeding grounds for like a masculine mind and so when these two people kind of come together there's this sort of beautiful connection because the the mind of of a, a masculine energy like a masculine energy you know has a seed and wants to sow the seed into a feminine mind that will take it in right so even like um even in electronics right there's a the male and the female right there's a the plug and then this the outlet so the plug is always the masculine and then the outlet is feminine and they go together same thing with even you know physics right there's um the electron, which is negative, and then there's a, um, the proton and they, you know, they connect. So it's a, the negative and the positive. Negative is feminine. You know, the positive doesn't mean anything. These words negative doesn't mean bad. It just means that that's just the charge, right? I mean, electricity isn't bad. It's powering our entire existence right now in this present moment. So they, but they work together. Um, so they're attracted to each other. So you can have a woman who appears very feminine um, and you can have a man that appears very masculine and carries himself in a very masculine way. So that doesn't take any, it doesn't mean that they're weak or you know, they're soft or, or they're gentle. Like one of my, my friends that I'm talking about, he presents in a very masculine way. He's very assertive. He's, he's a leader. But his mind is very, not very, but his mind is more feminine than mine. So when we discuss ideas, he's just more receptive to my ideas. And myself, I present in a very feminine way. You know, I love dresses. I love the color pink. I love like, I'm very, you know, girly in that way, um, physically. But my mind, especially when we get into debates, um, I can be very dominant, uh, very type A. Not in the day-to-day existence. Like when we went to hang out yesterday, for example, he's like, where do you want to go? And I was like, sushi sounds great. And then somehow we ended up at a place that was like a different sushi place and I wanted, but he was just like, yeah, let's go here instead. So then we ended up going there and I was just, but I just kind of go with the flow and he was leading and I was like, it's cool. And you can drive. I don't, I don't care. Like I don't have like, that's just not me. But then when we sit and we have a conversation, the dynamics change because now we're engaging our minds. And so you can see that change. Get it? So I tend to get along really well with men who are overtly masculine so my husband he's very like he's like six four you know almost 300 pounds stocky guy former like you know football player he's very masculine he's a leader you know himself his mind isn't as feminine um he's actually a little bit more balanced so I think his was like on his chart his natal chart is like five five so he's actually more balanced so it works for us um because I can be kind of, I can kind of be overly, I can be a bit much. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but imagine having, having to live with somebody like me. Uh, it's a bit much. So he kind of has like both feet um, on either side. And, um... You know, for the most part, I can kind of move him where I want him to go because even though he's five five on his natal chart, he's 5' masculine, 5' feminine. You guys go to like Astro Cafe. I think it's Astro Cafe or something like that. I'll put the link in the description of this video on YouTube um, and I think maybe on Spotify as well. Uh, go and check it out. and Put in your birth, um, if you're really interested in this, put in your uh, you know, birth date, time. And location of birth and then before you scroll down to all that stuff it tells you about you'll see where it says are you fire are you earth you know masculine feminine whatever that's if you're interested in this stuff and I, I do find it interesting um it might be an ancient science but science but it doesn't make it any less interesting or less relevant so he is balanced he's five five masculine five feminine I'm like a is it like a seven three or whatever um so seven masculine uh, three feminine, or it might be a six, four, one of those, but I'm definitely more, um, on the energetic scale, more masculine. And then I'm also fire. Like I've like, it's like mostly fire. So all of that kind of adds up and to know what I'm talking about, go check out the chart. So, um, and so this is something that I know about my friend is that he's more, I think his chart I always do this. I always run charts on everybody. So like if I ever meet you and I'm like, hey, what's your birthday? (laughs) Like I'm about to run a chart on you. Um, Don't lie because I'm not going to use it for any nefarious purposes. I just want to know who you are and how your mind works, things like that. And I know some people listening to this are probably thinking like there's no science behind it. Whatever. Um, You don't have to believe in it. It's fine. But it works for me. I like it. I just discovered it like less than a year ago. And ever since then, I love it. Like whatever works, you know, I use whatever works. I pull from whatever I can. Just because something originated years ago and just because our modern scientists, in quotes, don't want to accept it, doesn't mean that it's not valid. It just doesn't. Just because we don't understand it doesn't make it mean it's not valid. Or I should say just because Western minds don't understand it doesn't make it invalid. I respect culture. I respect history. And I respect the minds of people who came before me. And I would argue that people who came before me are presently existing now because consciousness is not limited to space and time, and people do reincarnate. If you don't believe me, that's fine. I have several episodes throughout the podcast where I discuss books that you can check out on reincarnation and form your own conclusions, but I'm not, that's not the point of this episode. So, my friend has now started hanging out with this guy who calls himself conscious. And he, from what I can see, seems relatively conscious. He's certainly awake and aware of what's going on. The problem is that he's now trying to pull my friend into this like space of conspiracies, right? So the last time they met up, he started talking to my friend and very protective of my friends. Um so he started talking to my friend about like the 13 families and reptilians and Andrew Crone and you know cannibalism and how these people who control the world like eat, you know, all this like stuff that you would find on YouTube. And I told him you have to be mindful. So you just exited one belief system, which is, you know, trust the news, the government's always right. That's one belief system. Everything we're taught in school is true. That's one belief system. History, all of that shit, that's one belief system. You just discarded that, right? So whatever happened, what has happened over the last two years, woke him up and he started realizing like, wait, we're like fucking slaves here, right? (laughs) So he woke up and cool. Don't discard one belief system for another belief system. Because you, you're you going to imprison your mind now into like another set of beliefs that at the end of the day is backed by nothing but other people's opinions. Just because somebody says some shit on YouTube and they say it with an air of authority doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean that it's true. It's just another sort of like web that your mind will get sucked into in this like realm of conspiracy that is right now, like it's a trap. Uh, I had a friend um, send me this chart, shout out to Sean, uh, of like all these different conspiracies that your mind can get fucking sucked into. And what I say to that is, listen, it is hard. Let me even like retract. For those of you who meditate, when the more you meditate, you know that energy that you feel? there's this powerful sort of energy that emanates from like, I don't know, like your mind or your fucking chest. I don't know. Like it's, it's intense on those moments that you find yourself able to disconnect from the internal monologue and just focus, just focusing on your breath. Those moments of intense focus, the same thing happens when you, when you create, right? When you, I forget what the word is called, when you get into the zone and you're just like time stands still and you're almost like entranced, you feel yourself almost vibrating. That's Power. So when you look at a chart like that, and you see all of these different fucking like conspiracies, that your mind can get fractured, 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 fractured. It's intentional. It is set up to fracture your focus into all of these fucking recess, resort, like um, let's say reality tunnels. Where are these conspiracies coming from? If you read the biography of, uh, I believe it was Rockefeller, uh, they were saying the same thing about him. He had an autoimmune disorder. So they were saying the same thing about him. He lost his hair or whatever. And like he literally, I think he had like, he had to have like celiac or something like that, but he had a, or IBS, but he had an autoimmune disorder. And people were saying the same thing that are being said about the Rothschilds and all of this stuff now. Are there reptilians? I don't fucking know. Okay, where did this information come from? Because as we are continuing to learn, we're starting to realize that a lot of these books that come out where there's supposedly exposes by, you know, people who were in the know and they put out these books and they talk about reptilians and alien, you know, bases on the ground and things like that, more and more people are starting to find ties to the CIA. That's starting to happen. So like you really need to take these sort of theories with a grain of salt, and at first I felt resistance because I could tell that he respected the individual who told him this information. But what I first said to him was, listen, the person who who, produced, who presented you this information, understand, and some of you listening to me, you guys have been listening to me since when I had my Instagram page, Anna Molly, like almost like seven years ago. And I was posting about those same exact same things. So it's not that I'm not like aware of that. I posted about reptilians. I posted about fucking clones. I talk, I posted about, all of that shit to the point where my account got shadow banned. It's like a consistent thing on Instagram and I had to shut the thing down, right? I've been there. I've done that. I've gotten sucked into all of that. And the problem is that you're, what you're forgetting when you start allowing yourself to get sucked into these belief systems, what you're forgetting is this absolute nature of our reality. And the nature of our reality is this. It will show you what you prime your mind to. It will show you evidence of what you program your mind to see, it will show you evidence of what you program your mind to see or expect to see. Let's take it back to the double-slit experiment, right? Wave-particle duality. If you expect to see a wave, that is exactly what, what will happen. If you expect to see a particle, that's exactly what, you ha- what will happen. So light, they call it now a wavicle because until it's observed, light is either wave or particle. And then it collapses into wave or particle based on the observer. Don't forget that. Don't forget that this reality shows you what the fuck you expect to see. Whatever your belief system you get absorbed into, it is going to show you evidence of that. So your best bet is to stay above all of this bullshit. Belief systems, BS, bullshit. It's why I keep pushing cosmic trigger. I mean, other books that I've been reading, but I'm always gonna keep going back. It's just—it's a book now that I'm stuck. It's just—it's a way to unlock your brain. It's a three-part series. The second, the third book was man. Like halfway through, it starts to get really good. Um, but the first two, dope. Um, and right now, um, no, I'm not gonna. I don't want to say this is actually important, so I want to finish my thoughts. Yeah, so like, be mindful of that. If I am a flat earther. Every experiment I do to prove the earth is flat is going to show me that I am right. That is the problem with this reality. And that's why people are fucking fighting. It is discordia. If I had a term, ooh, I should remember this. Remember this for the, tame, the, the name of this episode. I probably forget. But anyway, if I had a term, if I if I could name earth, if I could name our reality, I would call it Discordia because its primary for it's primary function is fucking discord. You are a god bound to a form where there is a voice that every day tells you you're a piece of shit. So now you are at in chaos with your own self and battle with your own self that my dear is by design all of us walking around gods with demons in our heads that's what to me that's what the fucking internal monologue is that's just a demon that's fucking torturing you don't be scared it, it is what it is but at the end of the day you can't don't be afraid of a demon when you're a whole god or parasite, if you, don't want it, if you don't want the negative association with the word demon, then you have a parasite in your mind that's feeding off of your energy. In theory. <laughs> I have to add that in there. But that's what it seems like to me. Because at the end of the day, that shit drains you of your potential. It drains you of your energy, right? So I need to record a podcast. And every time I put out an episode, it helps me get closer to where I need to be. But then I have a parasite in my mind that tells me that nobody wants to listen to what you have to say. And so then I don't put out an episode. Then my potential of where I'm trying to go, a, 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 real, a reality experience, doesn't get actualized. And this thing consumes that energy. I keep, I keep talking about the weeping, and weeping angels, and I think that there's something going on there, which is why I keep fixating on it. Don't, it, we can't, saying something is an internal monologue gives it too much credit. Call it what the fuck it is. We're all infected by a parasite in our minds, which I think the treatment for it is actually mushrooms, but I digress. Also sulforaphane, but I digress. Definitely mushrooms though. Uh, <laughs> right? So we're all walking around, we're gods. You're gods that are bound to form, the form limits you. There's been research that I've talked about where people who leave their body during out-of-body experiences or near death experiences, they report having infinite knowledge, access to knowledge that they didn't have while they were bound to form. That they were limited to form. Same thing, there's a book called The Ultimate Colin Wilson. It starts off slow, but as I've gotten to like halfway through, it's getting really good. Um, he talks about the same thing He gives several stories of like a guy who was like with like a little bit of like a brain injury. He was a painter. I think he fell and hit his head. And then all of a sudden, he was able to see people's future. And this is like documented just by shaking their hand. I think we can all perceive, all of us have this ability to do so. But our brains, I'm not suggesting you damage your brain. Although that is what mushrooms do. That is what drugs do. That is what alcohol does. It kind of damages the brain a little bit. Medicine, they're poisons. They're poisons to the body. But they're controlled poisons. I've said this before. They damage the brain a little bit, so that you, who you really are, can seep through. Your consciousness can seep through. It's like breaking the barrier a little bit, like breaking the confinements of this brain that can, you know, constricts us. I'm not suggesting once again that you hit your head. I'm just saying there's like. Mushrooms do the same thing. It's microdoses though, microdoses, microdoses. That's my opinion. Um, there are people out there who believe, but they present their beliefs as fact, that taking macrodoses are the way to go, but their beliefs are not facts. Their beliefs are their opinions. So my opinion is that microdoses are the way to go, and that's based on my experience. So do with that information what you will. They're also illegal, but mm, it is what it is. Okay? So going back to the whole thirteen families and all these conspiracies, like be mindful. This reality will show you whatever it is you program your mind to see. So if you believe that there are reptilians, guess what? That's what it's going to show you. That is what your mind, because you're you're a god, you're holding in your you're confined right now by by, by a, a, a tool. But it is still a tool, which is why when you master the self, you can now weaponize the brain. You can weaponize the mind for good or bad. Right? Which is why the first step to mastery is self-mastery. The first step to true mastery is self-mastery. But you be mindful because that's a slippery slope. (laughs) The mind is plastic. It will show you what you expect to see. So if you expect to see results showing that the Earth is flat, that's exactly what you'll see. If you expect to see results, and this is, this is talked about in Cosmic Trigger. If you expect to see results showing that the Earth is round, that's exactly what you'll see. It shows you this body, this reality, this form, they all work together. That's part of the VR. The VR. It's plastic. And I'm saying simulation just based on my understanding and the technology that we have right now. In 50 years, something might be developed and then I would be able to add on to that. So I can, I'm only I'm limited to the knowledge that we have access to and the information that we have access to now, right? So if Buddha had access to a PSVR, he would have said, oh yeah, it's definitely a simulation, right? It's a type of simulation, but I don't know if it's necessarily a computer Game. I think it's something else. It's something that's that utilizes matter and form and energy to construct the simulation. The way like a computer programmer uses bytes, you know what I mean, um, terabytes, and you know whatever the fuck terminology it is. So there's it's something similar. Don't get sucked into a belief system. You're just imprisoning yourself. What I told my friend was this, one. Okay, I have no, my, my, my sense of humor, by the way, is just very dry, a matter of fact. Um, I have no way, if this is all true, and there are 13 families who are actually reptilians and they want to like inbreed, first of all, it's a fucked up existence, if we're being completely honest. So you have to keep your bloodline pure. So you can, are not allowed to basically mate with somebody that you actually like can fall in love with. So you're basically just mating with like, your cousins, just to keep whatever information that's encoded in their DNA, which I think that there's some truth to that. Like we're starting to find out that you can store information in DNA. And DNA is information. Everything is information, okay? So perhaps they are aware of like something that gets passed on if you don't mixed, mix um the genes. There's information that's stored in DNA that can allow, uh, let's just say that, for example, maybe there's something way my, my DNA is set up that allows anybody with my bloodline to perceive reality in a very specific way, okay? Well, a fucked up way to, pers- to, to preserve that is that to make sure that then I keep my, quote, bloodline pure, and then I only mate with people who are in the same gene pool, because then that information gets saved, so that when I reincarnate, and I do believe that they can, I do think... Based on the book that I read on magic, there was a book I read on magic. I don't remember the name right now, but I might've mentioned it like two episodes ago where the guy basically said that there are rituals that a person can um, perform that as a person dies, they can transfer their consciousness into like a pregnant woman if the woman's like right next to them. So I'm not saying no, look, the guy wrote it, he put it in the book. It might be probable. Who the fuck knows, right? But if these ancient families have been around for whatever the fuck and they control everything, which I don't think they control everything. But let's just say that they do. One, now you're basically, you can't even like go and like fall in love with whomever it is you want to fall in love with, right? Like you have to marry like your fucking sibling or your cousin that's fucking disgusting like i don't know what kind of (laughs) life there is but that that, that's existence like you're just reincarnating into like fucked up versions of yourself because look at the royal family they're all inbred like they're all like they all look the same because they've married each other and their cousins and they just look ill so like you're not even going to get to like reincarnate into like you know like a hot body like you're just going to reincarnate into like your own like great uncle or something i don't even your great cousin who's also your uncle but you look like, at your <laughs> your grandchild ill all right so that's what you're you're already imprisoned by that bullshit right one two okay so you have all the money in the world so the fuck what the fact is that your existence sucks to the point where you have to now consume <laughs> okay, this is the theory. I didn't make the, the sub, but the theory out there that people are pushing as actual fact on YouTube is that they consume like something called androchrome or whatever, and they get it from children. Okay, that's fucked up if it's actually happening. However, what kind of existence are you having where, in order, for, you're so terrified because your genes are so fucked up because you're so fucking inbred, right? You're so terrified of like aging. That you have. This is what you have to do. I can't even like conceptualize my mouth, like fix my mouth to even say it. But this is this is your existence. It reminded me. It reminded me of um, Voldemort when he was like feeding off of like unicorn blood just in order to survive. It's like, how fucked up is your existence that you have to kill like a majestic, like beautiful, like creature just so you can survive. That's fucking disgusting. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing. Like you can't even just like enjoy your life. You're so obsessed with like looking young. Like, That should tell you everything you need to know about the mindset of an individual who, let's just say, let's just say conceptually that everybody on YouTube is right. And these families do exist and they they control everything. They don't, by the way, if you know how power works. um, I'm trying to think what the book, uh, I think Science Set Free by Rupert uh, Sheldrake talks about this. It's a great read, too. Um, But he says the way power works is the, the higher up you are the less power you actually have because you have no way of knowing what exactly is fucking going on because people around you aren't going to tell you what's going on they're just going you just cuz you've surrounded yourself with like yes yes men right so the people who actually sit on the throne they actually have power have no idea what the fuck you're doing in your house so the power that they believe they have is the illusion of power at any point in time also the collective can decide fuck this shit we're not we're not buying in anymore money isn't the only thing that's fiat Everything is fiat. Authority is fiat. Fiat means that uh, the power is derived from the collective belief in it, right? So people are saying, for example, like our money is fiat money because it's not backed by anything. And my response to that always is, okay, even if our money was backed by gold, what the fuck is gold? Can you eat gold? Can you sleep on gold? Can you inject gold into your veins if you're suffering? It's fucking gold, it doesn't mean anything. It's a fucking rock. Yes, you can use it for computers or whatever. But if people decide they don't like computers, it's still a fucking rock. It's worthless. If you can't eat it, if you can't grow it, if it cannot make your life better, if like the entire system falls apart... I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but it, it stands. It's It's a fucking rock. It's a shiny fucking rock. Who cares? So even if it was backed on gold, gold itself is fiat because... You have to believe that it's valuable. And Europeans, when they came across like the Incas, um, for example, uh, and the Tainos, they had gold. Uh, the Native uh, Americans, they had gold, but they didn't value gold. It was like everywhere. So the Europeans were the one who decided that the gold was valuable. To them, it was just what exactly what it was—fucking rock. They had more value. They felt feathers were more valuable because they felt feathers were more beautiful. The Tainos did. Um, when they encountered the Europeans. So they just gave it to them. It was the Europeans who had this sort of madness, this sort of like gold lust, right? That the dragons get, you know, we're gold. Um, call them. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so it, it's, but it's nothing, right? But then also like a, uh, the idea of having authority figure that's fiat. You have to believe that, that Putin, for example, is, val- is, is powerful, right? You're the one, every time you say Putin is powerful, you're the one giving him the power. At any point in time, the people around him that are keeping him safe, they're the ones really in power. He's just a man. He's an old man. So at any point in time, the people that are around him can form a coalition and decide, why do we need this old man telling us what to do? And they can kill him off. So he's like a king in a way. Yes, you've got a heavy crown on your head and you have the illusion of power. But if you see, for example, when he sits at a table, he's got to sit 20 fucking feet away from everybody because he's afraid. How are you powerful? But you're afraid the fuck are you afraid of you're gonna get poisoned that's life that's life that's how you want to live the average person has more freedom than putin putin can't go to walmart (laughs) without being surrounded by guards can we please look at this shit logically is he really that powerful okay he's got a lot of money okay so the fuck what he built a big ass house now what you you bought all the cars. Congratulations. You've eaten all the food. Now he has cancer. Now what? You're still stuck in a shit body. If at any point in time, because I saw, I've seen his face. He's getting plastic surgery. So that tells you about his mindset. He's also afraid of aging. So now he's... Getting plastic surgery, getting cheek fillers and jaw, and like that tells you that's an insecure man. So all that money in the world, literally the world's richest man that we know of, they're not going to put that on Forbes because of how he got his wealth. You're the, world, the world's richest man. Even look at Jeff Bezos. On paper, the world's richest man. And this nigga's on... <laughs> excuse me, sorry. <laughs> I forgot I was recording. And this guy... I flagrantly throw on the N-word sometimes. But this guy is on steroids. Or whatever, HGH, it's basically glorified steroids, right? And he's, like, jacked. And you could tell he's getting stuff done with his face. All that money, you're still insecure? Elon Musk, all that money, you got hair plugs, you're still insecure. So you're saying that you care what people think about you. Me, I don't have as much money as you. Elon Musk cares what the general public, people who make $15 an hour, minimum wage, or, you know, middle class, or just, like, you know, trying to get back, buy. The reason why he goes on Twitter to engage with the general public is because he gives a fuck about what the average, average person, average person cares. He cares about what the average person has to say about him, things about him. Is that power? That's a fucking illusion of power. So what I always say is this, when you have money, all you can do is basically buy more expensive versions of shit you already have. That's it. Okay, so let's, let's go back to Putin. He bought, so he has all these bodyguards now. He's basically like a prisoner. You do realize that, right? Like there's there's no, what's what's he gonna fucking, is he gonna go to the club? So he can have women at any point in time, but these women don't love him and he knows that. You have, you have, you can go on Bumble right now <laughs> fucking, I don't know, Tinder or something, right? And find people who don't know who you are and you could just sort of like get to know, like make friends. He can't make friends because he's afraid that they're going to fucking kill him. That's fear. That's what he has to live with. He has to have somebody taste his food. I don't have to have anybody. Nobody's trying to fucking poison me. I'm not a dick. So, here's the way I see it. If these 13 families are in here and they're controlling everything, one, they don't have they don't have the freedom that an average person does. They live mostly in fear, fear that the the populace will wake up. Which is why we're so heavily censored, which is why they're trying to get rid of TikTok, which is why you know, everything is the way it is, is why we're so heavily programmed. Is fear. You would think that if these are people we're supposed to aspire to, the so called elites, they would be absolved of fear. And so when a person goes and gets plastic surgery, a person like Putin gets, Putin rather, gets uh, plastic surgery, or a person like uh, Basel gets plastic surgery that tells me, hey, you have a parasite in your head too. So billions of dollars couldn't even absolve you of that internal monologue that's scaring the fuck out of you thinking that's telling you people are going to think you're old. Go get plastic surgery. You have the same shit in your head as I do. So what the fuck did all your money give you really? Just more expensive shit? that i already have bro i have a car so you've got 15 cars you only have one ass you can't drive all 15 cars at the same time so you've got more you've got more clothes good for you where are you going he wears the same suit over and over again i guess i'm sure it comes in different like slightly whatever it's made out i don't give a shit though it's the same thing so he could eat, but the food that he's eating, like, you got to be careful because all that opulence, you got to, it makes you gain weight. So he can't even, like, eat the way he wants to eat because he has to look trim. And now he's sick. And sure, he has access to, like, you know, medical care or whatever, but it's still the same medical care. Obviously, whatever it is, he hasn't, they haven't developed a technology that will literally reverse his aging. He doesn't have access to that. Bezos doesn't all that money in the world and he still has to go to a regular ass plastic surgery like you would think that he would have access to some shit that would legit like if you believe the shit that people on YouTube are saying is true which I'm sorry and I'm about to say some things and maybe it's gonna like cause some people to like I don't care honestly it's they, they don't nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about it's bullshit like it's bullshit they're all getting plastic surgery that's why they all look like shit and it's not even good plastic surgery because they are not that many good surgeons. You can make up this story, but you have to ask yourself, like, where are these stories coming from? And my guess is it's probably some alphabet boys or some dark, you know, government op. And what they do is they find people whose minds are inclined towards questioning the narrative. So they find people who are naturally sort of rebellious. And then they feed them bullshit. And then they tell them this is actually the truth. And so then your mind gets sent down this rabbit hole or that rabbit hole. And you're not actually sitting... And actually looking inside of your head. So while you're kind of scared of this this conspiracy theory. And this conspiracy theory. And, this, and you're thinking about all of these different shit. You're not taking that same energy. That you've now fractured into all these pieces. And pulling that energy back into yourself. To be a powerful human being. To, have a, to develop a powerful mind. To challenge your one enemy. Which is the parasite in your fucking head. The problem isn't out there. The problem is in here. So let's just say once again that there are these families, the Rothschilds, and whatever the fuck. Like the fact, the very fact that you feel like you need to have power over people should tell you that these people are not okay. They're suffering too. And more importantly, and this is what I said to my friend listen, if they are here in this world, I toggle between prison and school. And now I realize why I toggle is because I'm trying to avoid trapping my mind into a reality system into a belief system, rather, in this reality. Because if I say it's absolutely a prison, then all I'm going to do is be shown, quote, evidence, data to support this belief system. And if I say it's just a school, then all I'm going to be shown is evidence, quote, I put evidence in quotes, that supports that this is a school. But then I will literally essentially be blind to the evidence that says that this is perhaps a school. So, Choose nothing. Choose neither. Are these theories probable? I don't fucking know. But I'm definitely not going to say yes. I'm definitely not going to say no. Ultimately, all I can do is walk in the middle. And walk the middle path. And the middle path says that even if this is the truth... The end of the day, these quote individuals that are supposedly controlling everything—if they're—if the, that's the case—how can you control? Let's say this is a prison. How can you control the system? How can you you literally be controlling the system from within the system? That makes no fucking sense. There are people, individuals who own prisons, right? So it said that Michael Jordan, for example, I don't know if he still does, but he owned prison. Like he was an investor in a prison because that's slave labor. So it's cheap labor, or whatever. It is what it is. It's fucked up, but it is what it is. He owns a prison. Do you think he lives in the prison? Michael Jordan does not live in the prison. Even if, if for some weird re, re- <laughs> some weird reason he lived in a prison, right? If you looked, if Jordan lived in a prison and he owned it for some reason, he chose to live in a prison and he had like the nicest prison cell and had access or whatever the fuck at the end of the day he's still in the prison so all of these people that were told control everything is are they really the ones who created everything are they the ones really in control or are they just sort of getting special treatment if you want to even call it that all they have access to is money maybe more information than we do but I don't know if they're utilizing it because it doesn't seem to me that their existence is peaceful if you own everything and you have the choice and the chance and the opportunity to make people's lives better because if you're stuck here and you keep reincarnating because you love this world so much or in my opinion I think their souls are trapped here because I think that to them it's better to reign in hell not saying that this is hell but that's the vibe it's giving me If it's 13 families and it's the same sort of consciousness that kind of gets reincarnated over and over again so that they can maintain power, you're still coming back here. How many people have you talked to that are like, fuck this place? We need to figure out how to stop getting reincarnated into into this world. And yet you have these dysfunctional motherfuckers who keep wanting to come back here over and over again. That should tell you everything that you need to know. So this is an existence that we're supposed to envy and they're supposed to control everything. You can't stop me from sitting and enjoying a sunset. You can't stop me from eating a beautiful mango. You're not taking that away from me. So what are they really controlling? The news? Like, let's break down what their powers really are. Okay, So you go to school and you're indoctrinated with information, but it's bullshit. But we're now starting to realize it's fucking bullshit. So what else? The news? Okay. Most of us are starting to realize, okay, it's bullshit. So everything that they use to, quote, control us, the ideas of how we're supposed to be, all you need to realize is that they're just belief systems. So they they imprison us with illusions. They're they're using a kind of spell, magic, if you will. Is that real power? Or is that the illusion of power? Like, who cares? And if you're in the game... And that is how you're choosing to live. That your such your your soul is so fucked up and so corrupted that you have to prey on the energy of children in order for you to exist and 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 find some sort of sustenance. There's certainly no joy there. You're not going to have joy there, right? That's hell. See, this reality is plastic. It, it's it's subjective. It's it's flexible. So. That kind of existence to me can happen a hellish existence, a truly hellish existence can occur across the board if you're a multi billionaire or you're poor it's the same thing but if if that is true, why should is this something we should envy that kind of existence? Come on now. they feel like they have the power, let them feel like they have the power. What we should be focused on is our day-to-day existence. How do we alert people to understand their own sovereignty and, and start allowing, teaching each other, talking to one another to trust their own observations and question everything, everything. And not just take everything at face value because somebody in a dress or in a coat or in a fancy costume, set it with authority. That's the most important thing. And can we pull all of our energy back into ourselves and into the controlling of our internal monologue. Or disconnecting from this parasite that has attached to all of us and drains, of, drains us of our energy energy and drains us of our potentiality. Because without these parasites, this internal monologue that sort of plagues every single person, please understand, whatever gripe you're having with a person, whatever disagreement, whatever problems, arguments, issues, it's not them that you have a problem with. It's the parasite in their minds that have that provoked them, that started whispering shit to them I want you to understand that every individual that you interact with is not an individual. It's them, their godhood. And then just imagine a little fucking parasite on their shoulder whispering in their ear. That is what you're dealing with. And we all have it. And some are bigger than others. This is, of course, a visualization, but it helps you so that you can interact with people. And you can understand yourself. So when you get into a disagreement with somebody, you're starting to get kind of sucked in. Remember, hey, that's not you're not disagreeing with them. If they didn't have that parasite, you would not be having a disagreement. And that parasite is fed with belief systems. It's fed it's fed with absolutes, right? That's why you argue. Because it tells you this person is challenging you. This person thinks you're wrong. You're not wrong. You're right. No nobody's wrong. Nobody's right. It's just it is what it is. You don't know. Some things may be more probable than others, but having that mental flexibility, that is something we need to be teaching each other. There is no absolute, there are no, nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Case in point, just read an article, actually read two articles today, basically saying that what we've been taught about depression being linked to having low levels of serotonin is actually bullshit. They took a small study in the 60s and then they extrapolated from a small study. And I've talked about that repeatedly on this podcast. Sorry. Stop just taking shit. Like you, you really have to challenge everything. Everything. So they took a small study from the 1960s, right? And pharmaceutical company, they probably, if I had to reimagine, they probably had a drug that could reduce um, or was it, increase serotonin levels. Or they thought it could increase serotonin levels, which now they're finding out that it actually antidepressants don't increase serotonin levels; they actually decrease. So the drug that they count with doesn't even fucking work well. But that's besides the point. So they saw, based on a small study, and I would argue that the study was manipulated to give the pharmaceutical companies enough of an edge to fucking sell their drugs. So they did a study that gave the pharmaceutical companies pharmaceutical company, the results that they wanted to give, which is that people who are depressed, depression is a result of a chemical imbalance of serotonin. Your, your brain is just not producing enough serotonin. So here's a drug that will increase your serotonin. And now they're finding out that that's not true. In fact, people who take antidepressants over a long period of time, they're finding have low levels of serotonin because the antidepressant may reduce, may Reduce serotonin. Here we are. How many people you know are on, uh, on antidepressants? Now the articles, is one I read it was um, on psychology today and the other one, I don't know it is, but I'll post the link in the description. They're basically saying like, obviously don't stop taking um, antidepressants and you should not stop taking antidepressants if you're on it. Talk to your doctor. Find these articles, read them, and then talk to your doctors about it because if you, ta- if you just stop taking antidepressants, excuse me, you actually end up like you could cause a psychotic break. These are facts. So please do not just stop taking your medication. Because these medications do change your brain. So talk to your doctor about it. But I, I need I needed you guys I needed to share this with you guys. So this whole time, and I'm glad I recorded the episode last week that I did. Because this whole time, we're told if you're depressed, because there's something fucking wrong with you, right? You've got a chemical imbalance, like you're just you know, just it's whatever, and you take this drug. And I've always said like I I don't want to. I'm gonna figure out another solution around this, but I don't think I'm mentally ill. Just because I deal with depression, it's, it's like I, I'm looking around and this world's fucking weird, and things aren't making making sense. And it makes me sad. I'm empathic; it makes me sad to see people suffering, and I want to do better for. I want other people to be better, and I want to help other people, but I I don't know how. So it makes me sad, and it can be emotionally overwhelming. That doesn't mean I'm mentally ill. There we go. Well-timed. Grateful. Grateful. Speaking of gratitude, I made a friend from Russia. They were physicians. They were a physician in Russia. And then during the, the summer of the George Floyd protests, they protested against Putin and against police brutality. And as a result they ended up having to flee the country to flee Russia, flee their country in order to avoid basically being jailed. And this person told me, in Russia, a physician makes like $500 a a month. And if you're in your residency, you basically make nothing. Uh, You're supposed to be kind of like a monk because they believe that, you know, to do, to help people, with their health, it's not something you should make money off of. it. So you just go and you work. And so that's just what you did. You worked like 80 hours a week, barely get any sleep. And you just take care of other people. That's how it is. And you make maybe $200 more than a cashier. And the words that they used to describe that experience was that it was hell. You get no sleep, barely enough to eat, enough to basically put a roof over your head. And that's it. And then you're just seeing the, the, the just sickness and disease of humanity every single day. And you just deal with it because nobody likes your job. <laughs> so you just this is just life. And then you just accept it. And when they came here, they came here with nothing and after a while you know they were put in shelters but they're not mentally you know ill right but sometimes when you're in a shelter you you run across all sorts of people you know, people who are unlucky people who just ran into like it's really this is this is california it's very hard to live here you know, but then you also run around run into and you're around people who, like let's say their internal monologue are completely has completely taken over, right? This parasite, whatever you want to call it, has completely taken over, or people who are now schizophrenic. So the regulators are just seeing the regulating system of their brains completely dysregulated and now they're just they don't know how to handle because our society does not give them the tools to handle Seeing this, because our society, Western society, does not understand this. So it's become pathological. So you're dealing with these sort of individuals. So then eventually, they ended up homeless. Houseless. Just sleeping on the beach. And now they got a job where they have a place to sleep. They're sleeping in the car. And I remember, because... I'm me having a conversation with them. And I'm saying like, you know, this is a hard work. You're not, you're not getting enough sleep. You're sleeping in your vehicle, you know. Is there anything else that you can do? And what they said to me was, listen, this is nothing <laughs> compared to where I was. I grew up in the ghetto in Russia compared to where I was. I slept on the beach in a sleeping bag compared to where I was just having a place to sleep And to get paid just to do something as simple as drive? This is heaven. I'm fine. I can handle this. And that puts so much of my life into perspective. I think about the things that we take for granted in this country. Yes, we absolutely should be mindful that our country does not end up like Russia. Absolutely. But we also have to appreciate what we do have. Constant electricity, government program that takes care of the sick houses, you know, for the most part. I mean, it has its problems and we should fix these things. But there are we do have the opportunities. He said, look, in Russia, you don't have this. If you cannot work, then you, you die, you starve on the street, that's it. There are no opportunities. You don't have the government giving you money to go to school. Right? We have FAFSA. We have loans. You know, we we have programs, FHA, VA, we have programs to like make it so that you can make it. Or at least to increase the likelihood of you making it. If this is a hell, of all places in the world to be in this world, in this reality, I feel like America is probably one of the best places to is, is the least shitty place to be are there hellscapes even within this country yes of course but compared to a lot of other countries uh, I feel like we're like district 9 I don't know if that's the right term but in uh, hunger games where there was that one district where they actually held, held the hunger games where it's like there's this opulence whereas like everybody else around the world's like literally fucking starving we, we have so much here that we take for granted You know, hearing their story, it made me pause and look at my life and look at my family and look at the people in my life that care about me, that take care of me, that allow me and afford me the ability to just sit and do the things that I love. Create videos, paint, podcast, conversate with people and have the freedom even as a woman. Yes, the Roe versus Wade thing, that's fucked up. And we need to figure out how to not lose any more of our rights because it's a slippery slope. It's easy to destroy something. I can spend three months painting a painting and I can destroy it in a moment. So the creation process is more difficult. And so let's hope that we are doing more creation, more creating than we are destroying, particularly in this country. But sitting back... And being grat- grateful, expressing gratitude to whatever, whomever—I don't know who—we say you know grace for. I don't believe in one God, especially giving the fucking Bible. The fact that Asherah, the ancient Israelites, they worshipped Asherah as the 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 wife of of um, Jehovah. It wasn't always monotheistic, and then over time. Shira was like cast to the side, and then it became a monotheistic religion. But the ancient Israelites were polytheistic. Had, there was a whole pantheon of gods, just like the Greeks and the Romans. They had a whole pantheon of gods, the Elohim, that has gotten lost in translation and through history and in time. And so now what we believe is now a corruption of what the original um, creation of this religion believes. So I don't believe in one solitary god. So whatever it is, the game... The, the moderators of the game. You know, if you are going to be uploaded into any part of the world, if you are in America, you have a roof over your head, you have access to clean water, maybe not coming out of your top, but you do have access, you can go buy a bottle of water and you're not starving. You are in one of the better places. At least that's what I tell myself. So after those kind of conversations, I sit back and I go, you know what? There's no such thing as perfection in this reality. I, <laughs> we are programmed to continue to aspire towards something rather than sitting and being content with what we have. And that is what drives a lot of our depression, a lot of our anxiety, a lot of our fear, a lot of our worry, a lot of our fa- feelings of being failures a lot of our imposter syndrome, a lot of our trauma is this pro program, is this pre-programmed belief that has been instilled in our brains, in our subconscious, from the moment we became aware that good enough isn't good enough. That you have to be more than you are. That you can't just be. That you can't just be grateful. That you can't just be happy. That you just can't be content. That you can't just find joy, sitting in peace without fear of somebody dropping a bomb over your head or somebody walking into a building with a fucking bomb strapped to their body and setting it off. Like You don't have to think about that. You don't have to worry about that. Yes, we have the shootings. It's not a perfect world. That has to stop. We have to figure out a way to stop that. But if you can be anywhere. We still have relatively more freedom. Like a woman can walk around in a tube top. And it's not like nobody's, she's not going to get stoned. You know, there's still countries on this planet where women from birth have their clitorises. Removed female circumcision that's still happening. I'm not saying that these things don't need to stop. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do everything in our power to make this world in general and this country a better place. In fact, we should do put in more effort to preserve. And improve this country. We have to become better. A a more exemplary example of the way humanity can be. America has its faults. But America is what makes it great. It's not the bullshit that we see of all these assholes trying to divide everything. It's the fact that this was always a melting pot. This was the place where anybody can come from anywhere and be free and make it. We should not allow that to be lost. I can sit with people from different walks of life with an open mind and I can learn from each and every one of them. That was what made America great. That is what can make America great. Great does our government have issues is our government fucked up absolutely but it's like i said are they really in control really because they seem kind of paranoid i saw a tiktok the other day about like in the 70s they started putting cameras on fucking birds so imagine what they're doing now they probably have insects like that are bugged literally bugged all right and i was like how fucking paranoid are you Like you've got to put cameras on birds because you want to like observe what the average person is fucking talking about like is it that serious are you that scared are you that paranoid it reminds me of like a a crazy boyfriend that's like always looking at your shit like looking at your phone like are you that insecure what are you afraid of right so that fear there should tell you that there's like where where the power dynamic is isn't it if you got to go through all these lengths to make sure that we're not talking to each other or teaching each other or sharing information right now talking about they want to cancel tiktok okay what are you afraid of Are you really that powerful? Right? day to day, we've always, the collective have always had the power. We just were programmed to give it up. We were programmed to give up our power, our sovereignty, our individual autonomy to individuals who style themselves as authority figures. They put on their fancy costume and now you're supposed to listen to them. And they present their hypothesis as fact. So then we stop thinking and we give them our power. Knowledge facilitates individual power. So I'm I'm taking that phrase knowledge is power and I'm twisting it a bit. Knowledge facilitates individual power. True power does not come from your ability to dominate another person. True power comes from the ability to master yourself. So if we can start getting into the habit of teaching people to master themselves, to be the best version of themselves that they could possibly be, and to help others. Because if this is... Remember, I'm not going to I'm not gonna put my foot in any camp. It could be a prison. It could be a school. It could be something completely different. It could be a game. It could be a fucking entertainment. I could be... Everything I'm saying right now could be live streaming in the alien world, and I have alien viewers or whatever. I don't fucking know. Yeah? We don't know. And that's by design. But... If this is a prison, you're in a you're in you're a prisoner too, all right? The the program itself is so fucking random and so chaotic that at any given point in time anything could happen. And we know that. That's in the back of our minds, which is why a lot of people are fucking depressed. Because at the back of your mind, you know at any given point in time shit could fucking happen. But what we can do is not add to that shit. What we could do is help each other, inmate to inmate. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. If you're in here, you're not exceptional. I'm here to serve my time, if this is the case. But what is becoming more and more of my daily motto is that I will try my best each day. I live in day-tight compartment, day-tight compartments. I would try my best each day to not add bullshit to the world if I can. To understand myself, to understand who I am, detached from this parasitic entity that's called the internal monologue, and understand that the battle that we wage isn't against other people it's against whatever this parasite is that we are all afflicted with. Because it's this internal monologue, this parasitic entity that drives people to do their worst. Because without this voice in your head, putting images or whatever and and whispering fucked up things to you, you wouldn't suffer. You also wouldn't lash out. You're dealing with infected people And to quote The Walking Dead, (laughs) we're all infected. So then that hierarchy immediately breaks down. No one's better than another. Biden, Putin, all of them, Trudeau, they're all infected. They all have internal monologues or parasites, whatever you want to call it, attached to them. And they're all in here, in the prison or in the school with us, which then makes us all equal because we're all in the shit together. So at a certain point, taking a step back and understanding that we're all afflicted and infected helps you to humble yourself but also helps you to have compassion and patience when you can remember to do so. When the internal monologue isn't draining you of your energy and also keeping you from being able to remember this. Your battle is not with another person. never is. It's always going to be with that voice in your head. If a person says something that is intended to trigger you, it is because they're coming from a negative space. And guess what put them in a negative space? Their internal monologue. And that internal monologue or that parasite that there, there's a fic that's afflicted or infected them is also connected to you. You know, this would be beautifully illustrated in like a TV show or something. Because the visuals have to be there. I mean, I could tell the story, but we're living it. And it just maybe might be better visually illustrated. But understand that every person that you meet has this internal monologue. Some people maybe have a smaller parasite and some have super large parasites. You can call it the ego, but that doesn't fucking mean anything. Because even the word ego is like misunderstood. All right so people say you know don't feed the ego you've got a big ego but that's not the ego because the ego well the way we have we've been told to understand the ego is that the ego is this thing that makes you feel like you're superior but it's not the ego is you by that definition it's you fighting against this thing that is trying to tell you that you're inferior. So the voice in your head was the ego, it doesn't make any sense for it to be what we've kind of come to understand ego as because the voice in your head doesn't boost you up. It shits on you <laughs> and tells you the worst. It gives you fear. It gives you anxiety. It tells you you're not good enough. And what people do is they develop a sort of, a, they try to develop a shell to defend themselves against that voice. And so they tend to be, to try to make themselves feel more important. They go, they try to demonstrate that they are important. And that's what we call an ego, but that's not the ego. That is a reaction to the internal monologue that's telling them that they're not shit, that they're not worthy to be loved, that they are unlovable, that they're not important. That's a direct reaction to the internal monologue. So that's a misunderstanding, which is why you have to challenge everything. If despite the voice in your head, you say, no, I am important, then society tells you you're not humble. You need to humble yourself. But to a certain extent, you need to understand that there is there is a battle going on there. So the fact that you have to declare, a person has to declare their own importance should tell you that that's not it's nothing to do with the external. They are fighting a battle and we are observing the result of the battle. And the battle that they're fighting is with something in their head that's telling them that they're worthless. So let's just call it what it is. It's a parasite. And if you can look with your third eye and see beyond form and look around, you start to see that you're dealing with a person and this thing. And then it can help you also communicate with other people that, so that they can know, hey, listen. This is what I've gotten into to saying now. I'm trying to get into this habit of saying this. Like, listen, like this week, I was like in a weird space. Now, another way I could reframe that is that my, the parasite, this thing, you know, seemed to be super energized and was very active this week. And so I've been grappling against it and working on disconnecting from it. So I spent this whole week, like this morning alone, I meditated for two hours and I actually did a meditation, which I would not recommend. This is just, I'm just telling you what I did where uh, it was like a painful medication, med- meditation where anytime I felt myself um, get sucked into the internal monologue, I would like kind of just pinch myself a little bit. And then pull myself back. So it was an active meditation. I don't. I've never read of anybody doing this. It's just something that I had to do, and it worked for me. I'm not suggesting this. I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you what I did today. It's the first time I've actually done that. Um, and it, it, you know, just to get myself disconnected from that internal monologue. Now, imagine the people that you just walk into on a daily basis. They just have this thing constantly talking to them, and it's obviously a voice. The reason why you know it's a voice is because you cannot, it's not even just a voice. It can present it as a voice. So let's say, let's talk about how it presents as a voice. You cannot listen to the internal monologue and listen to a conversation at the same time. So it's something that's talking to you that you have to listen to, which is why you know it's not you, because why would you need to listen to it if it's you? It's something talking to you. So that's why I listen to a lot of audiobooks, for example, because I know I cannot listen to a book and listen to the internal monologue. So it kind of shuts it out. And every time I catch my mind wondering, it's because I'm not listening to the book. I'm listening to the internal monologue. So Then I can shift my focus back to the book. But if it's talking to you, then it's something that you cannot perceive. Might as well have that one Donna Noble um, Episode where she had the giant fucking scarab beetle, beetle in the back of her head, and people could like kind of see it. It's a Doctor Who reference. Um, people could like kind of see. I miss Doctor Who. People could like kind of see it, but then when they went to go look, it was gone because it like sort of it was like uh, it shifted, so it was operating from a different like dimension. But it was there. Um, I kind of wonder if that's not what's going on. So if if it helps to just sort of keep that in mind. You know, that it's also something that affects you. I know people don't want to kind of think about that. <laughs> it helps me think about it. It helps me have compassion, you know. Or maybe it's not even this thing, maybe it's just the body itself. You know, that's another theory I'd had. Like, I think last summer I talked about this. You know, we're bound to form, consciousness bound to form, and then form itself. Maybe consciousness itself is the parasite. And we're, we're trying to hijack a body and then the body has this like fear and then we're just sort of like trying to not be immersed in it. So that, this is what it helps to keep a bit of a flexibility around it because you can look at it both ways. Are we gods in prison to form or are we gods attempting to hijack form? So another way you can look at it is, could you look at this world as a sort of um, consciousness awareness, like training simulation, right? Or a school where, okay, you take a God, but it's a non corporeal being, right? non corporeal being. And you um, imbue it into form. The form is an animal. It has its own sort of intelligence, but your job is to like tame it. And then you just keep coming here over and over again until you can figure out how to to tame it, right? So see, now now it's a perspective shift. Now, now we shift away from this. It's a parasite to you're a god trying to tame a wild human. And then when you master the ability to wake up within form, right, which is what the simulation could be, you master your consciousness being able to wake up and control the form. Then you can move into, move on to the next dimension, to the next, you know, game, the next simulation, where now it's, you get, you know, bodies that are more uh, difficult to sort of wake up from. But it's a, can you, a god, become aware and stay aware, maintain awareness? Can you tame the beast? So now you take a step back and you look at all of humanity, everyone you see around you, you look at them as like uh, uh, non-corporeal forms, like gods, if whatever you want to call it, consciousness, riding like human horses. And the idea is, can you imbue yourself, your body, with consciousness, and then allow aspects of yourself to permeate the brain and then master the beast? as opposed to maybe having this like parasitic sort of thing where you are in it and then it's attached to you. But you see, it could be either. It could be or, it could be both, it could be neither. But either presentation affects your perception and how you perceive the self. Depending on what mood you catch me, it could be either or, right? Like I want to say now... As I remember talking about this, now I want to lean towards, okay, we're gods trying to tame the body. But there's a part of me that goes, no, I think we're gods in a body, but then there, and that's not the hard part. Like I'm talking, so I can control this part. And, and you are kind of mastering the form. If, you're, if you exert your will over the body, you do so consciously over time. It takes time. Your, you're exercising your will over the form right? Every time you meditate, every time you do deep breathing exercises, every time you take yourself to exercise, every time you fast, whatever. So there's that. But then there's this other thing, this fucking voice, you know, or, or this like parasite. So I'm leaning now just because of how I feel in this present moment. I'm still leaning towards you're god in a form, but there's a parasite attached and you have to kind of find out a way to, dis- to like detach from or starve the parasite. Um... Eckhart Tolle talked about this um, in The Power of Now. Uh, he called them pain bodies. Worth a read. Definitely worth a read. I haven't read it in like two years, but I definitely have to go back and reread it once I finish the book. So, um, as usual, here is a list of books that I have been reading this week in case you want to check them out. Um, finishing up The Ultimate Colin Wilson. Um I read a history of the world in ten and a half chapters. It was interesting. Um, I don't know if I would reread it, but I found it interesting. Um, *Valis*. Ooh, *Valis* by Philip K. Dick was amazing. Um, Definitely would recommend that. Uh, I read Science and Spiritual Practices by Rupert Sheldrake, but I also read Science Set Free by Rupert Sheldrake, and I would recommend Science Set Free over um, Science and Spiritual Practices. I feel like Science and Spiritual Practices didn't really add anything to the conversation. I feel like Science Set Free is a better book overall. Um, I think I mentioned A First Rate Madness in the last episode, so that was from last week, but Vallis is really good. I would definitely recommend Valis. Um It's fictional. But it's very trippy and there's some interesting ideas about how, like, I, I don't want to spoil it, um, but let's just say, for example, like, there's just some really great, like, Gnostic ideas in it. And there were some ideas that I'd had in the past about how, whether or not there's something in the atmosphere that makes it so that we keep, like, sinking into, like, a hypnosis which allows it makes it easier for I would say this parasite that we 're all attached to um, that's all attached to us he doesn't mention parasitic entities he says that like we basically created this world um, as like a maze and then we got trapped in our own maze so there's like an intelligence outside of this world that's like trying to like wake us up it's a great concept it's i don 't typically read a lot of fiction but when I do, it's fun because fiction kind of loosens the brain a little bit. So I would definitely recommend it. I'm a huge fan of Philip K. Dick anyway. Um, but it, it was a fun ride and a fun trip. Um, so I would recommend that. I would recommend Sign Set Free, which I've been talking about. I would definitely recommend Valis. The First Raid Madness is an amazing book. Um, and uh, The Ultimate Colin Wilson, if you do check that out, start like... Well, I'm not going to tell you where to start, but just hang in there. Increase the speed while you get over his, like, the introduction. Um, Bump the speed up to, like, 2.5 or whatever. Like, your brain will, your subconscious will take in the information. And then as you get closer to the middle, you can slow it down. Because then that's when he starts talking about, like, really fun concepts about, like, magic and reality and quantum physics and, you know, quantum entanglement and... um, limitations on the brain and you know he throws in information like he talks about a lot of really fun stuff so I would definitely check those out okay I, I promise I was I feel like I would say this so maybe I shouldn't even say that I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say I was gonna say that um I try to do more more episodes um but I'm not gonna say that you're just gonna like catch a new episode all right Love to you all.